Good morning. Good morning. Um, this is uh, our portion that we call Lectio Divina. Now, Lectio Divina is something that comes from an ancient tradition in the church known as contemplative prayer. It goes back to uh, the early monastic days. And um, it's really uh, an, uh, essentially an opportunity for us to take scripture, um, but to rather than rather than uh, read the word and use our cognitive functions to interpret it, we're actually uh, inviting the presence of Jesus, the presence of the Holy Spirit into this moment uh, as an experience. Now, I'm probably not the, um, the most obvious person to choose for a contemplative moment because I actually don't like sitting still. And also I have to confess that I'm not really very keen on breathing exercises either. Um, so hopefully I'm not the only one there, but just a confession for you guys. But I have realized that um, we're complex uh, individuals, mind, body, spirit. And um, a lot of us is not under our conscious control. So um, I realized that through these contemplative um, exercises going back centuries, they were onto something in the sense that um, through slowing our breathing down, um, through being aware of our, our environment, through being safe, we're opening a space in which we can um, consciously invite the presence of God in to, um, to join with us in this time as we read. So uh, I'm not going to uh, do any breathing exercises, but I am going to invite you um, um, just to, to be aware of your breathing, because as you, as you do, it slows your heart down. It slows down, dials down our, our um, autonomic nervous system, and it, it uh, allows us to feel safe so that we can then receive. So um, I'm just going to read a, a little word uh, from Thomas Keating, who, is, um, who was an American um, monk, and he's talking about contemplative prayer. And it says this, we may think of prayer as thoughts or feelings expressed in words, but this is only one expression. In the Christian tradition, contemplative, contemplative prayer is considered to be the pure gift of God. It is opening of the mind and heart, our whole being, to God, the ultimate mystery beyond thoughts, words, and emotions. So I'm just going to read through these words from uh, Psalm 139. Our word for the morning is faithfulness, although the word doesn't appear in these uh, verses. Um, it speaks of the faithfulness of God, uh, and it tells us that we're known. And what better place to start um, that journey into the presence of God and realize that we can know God, that he knows, knows us, but he, we're also known by him. So I'm going to read it through uh, three times. And um, the idea is uh, just to um, dial things down, open our minds, and as we read, um, allow God just to stir our hearts, not our minds so much. Um, um, and it's like opening a conversation with Jesus where he sets, um, he starts the conversation and we follow. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. 
you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. So just in, in the silence, just allow your heart to be stirred by whatever God's saying to you. Feel free to write stuff in the chat if, if that helps you. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And I said the sense of being hemmed in is not something that we would often choose. It sounds like a restriction, and yet it's the could be the hand of the loving Father, um, just protecting us from things, from saying no, that's not good for you. You 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 might want to think about that. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. So Jesus, I pray that um, just as we have taken a few steps into your presence this morning, Lord, that uh, you will lead us individually through this morning. And you speak uh, just to us individually, as you do in the language of our hearts. And that you would help us to disengage our, our fear, our anxiety, the things that our, our, our body tells us about. Um, and just uh, walk in faithfulness to you and with you as a faithful God. Amen. Hi there, I'm joining you from St. Stephen, New Brunswick this morning, just doors away from Morgan Lowen. 
And um, we are just wrapping up in the next couple of days our time here in New Brunswick. Um, but it's really lovely for me to be able to still be part of church, even uh, when I'm way over on the other coast, the left coast, no, the right coast. Oh, I don't know how that goes. Never mind. On to communion. Um, I, I chose uh, communion from um, from a from the Iona community in Scotland. I was there uh, 14 years ago in um, deep winter, it was the end of January. And I had a really pro uh, profound experience there. Um, we were the only guests on the island the particular day that we were there. And uh, so it was very quiet. And uh, we spent a little bit of time in the abbey there that, um, you know, the structure that's there right now might not have been built in the um, fifth century, but uh, the community has been there since uh, the 500s. And uh, I didn't know what to expect, but I think I thought it would just be a little bit cold and lifeless. Uh, just a personal judgment, I think, of my own. And uh, we walked into uh, this space on a really cold, windy day, and it was warm and inviting. And um, I think my first comment to my friend Lori, who I was with, was, wow, it feels like somebody lives here. Like, maybe even God, you know? And uh, we spent a whole hour just quietly um, moving around independently in the um, sanctuary. And it was really glorious. It was just lovely. And we ended up um, uh, together spending a bit of time in the prayer corner where they had uh, a massive amount of candles that you could light to pray for people. And we happened to have a friend right at that time who was um, passing from this world to the next. And, uh, and we lit some candles for her and prayed for her in that sanctuary. Um, from there, uh, we were going to leave, but we saw a door that went somewhere else off the side of the building um, that we were in. And we thought, oh, well, we'll just look and see what's on the other side. And when we opened it, uh, it opened up to um, this courtyard and it was square and each, um, each side of the square had pillars and I don't remember whether it was birds on the pillars or flowers but each side was dedicated to a kind of flower or bird and it was just gorgeous. Um, there was like a garden right in the middle and then there was um, this sheltered part around the outside. And even there, it was just quiet and holy and lovely until suddenly we heard this ruckus. And um, it, it was voices kind of yelling and um, some laughing. And then suddenly um, two children came riding their bikes into this courtyard and they were racing each other to this door that had been um, 
unrevealed to us until that moment. And they, um, and they dropped their bikes and took off their helmets and ran in the door and it was their house. And I just, I kind of stood back for a minute and I went, oh, this is what the house of the Lord should be like, both a sanctuary and, and the stillness of, um, uh, of the holiness of God, but also space for that childlike faith that's maybe a little loud and a little boisterous and a little crazy sometimes. And um, it was a really profound moment for me in recognizing what the church should look like and what our faith community should look like. So um, all of that was for free. And, uh, and now I'll take you through communion um, from uh, the community in Iona. So here's our invitation. The table of bread and wine is now to be made ready. So come to the table, you who have much faith and you who would like to have more. You who have been here often and you who have not been for a while. You who have tried to follow Jesus and you who have failed. Come. Come, it is Christ who invites us to meet him here. Blessed is our brother Jesus who walks with us the road of our world's suffering and who is known to us in the breaking of bread. On the night of his arrest, Jesus took bread and having blessed it, he broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given to you. In the same way, he took wine and having given thanks for it, he poured it out and gave the cup to his disciples saying, this cup is the new relationship with God sealed with my blood, take this, and share it. Hear us, O Christ, and breathe your spirit upon us and upon this bread and wine. May we become for, may they become for us your body, vibrant with your life, healing, renewing, and making us whole. And as the bread and wine which we now eat and drink are changed into us, may we be changed again into you. Bone of your bone, flesh of your flesh, loving and caring in the world. Amen. He whose table was open to all is now present in this bread. For those for whose word, no, he whose word welcomed friend and stranger now offers friendship through this cup. With people everywhere, we affirm God's goodness at the heart of humanity, planted more deeply than all that is wrong. Let us eat 
and drink of God's gifts. Glory to God, whose power working in us can do infinitively more than we can ask or imagine. Amen. All right. Thank you. I feel, like, I feel like we should pray for you first, Taryn, because that's a great suit. <laughs> so, uh, so God, I thank you for Taryn. I thank you that um, that she's joined our little family here at the bridge. And, uh, and I pray, God, that you would bless her today as she speaks and that she would um, communicate uh, your beautiful faithfulness to us this morning, that we would um, hear from you today through her. Amen. Okay, Um, happy Halloween, and we're talking about the fruit of the spirit, so I thought it was an ideal chance to wear my banana suit, but it's it's too tall, (laughs) so um, also you'll note that there's quite a few coffee stains on my banana suit, so I'm just a ripening banana. Um, Anyways, I just, fruit of the spirit, Halloween, I don't... I actually want to wear it the whole time because the head's kind of annoying, but ta-da, how's that for an opening? Um, Yeah, so I'm going to be talking about faithfulness, um, and I'm a little distracted right now because two reasons. One, I'm in a basement suite at my friend's house right now, and the upstairs people started blasting some really upbeat music, and the kids started jumping around, so if you saw me and my friends on the other screen who are literally just across from me on a different laptop if we if you saw us laughing during communion that's why it was not us being disrespectful um anyways I'll hop into it now I just if I end up getting distracted again with jumping and loud music it's happening upstairs right now um so yeah I am taking a look at faithfulness today and I actually chose to talk about faithfulness and I had an option between a few choices and I chose faithfulness because in my relationship with God I've always held on to two truths first it is that God is good and second it is that God is faithful and my faith has taken a lot of twists and turns especially in the past year but those are two truths that I that I still hold on to so I really enjoyed over the past few months and mostly the past few days really taking a look at faithfulness. Um, Yeah, so let's just hop right into it. Um, Yeah, what exactly is faithfulness? That's what I've been wrestling with for the past little bit. And the answer I've come to is that it's actually very complex and it's very relational. And there are a lot of different um, avenues of relationship, it can be us, with God, it can be God with us, it can be us with people in our lives, all these different 
options in which faithfulness can occur relationally. Um, when you look at the dictionary definition, it Webster's Dictionary describes defines faithfulness as firm in devotion or support. And that's a dictionary definition. If you look at a societal context, often we think of faithfulness in terms of our immediate relationships. So we talk about being faithful in your marriage, or in my case lately, um, I'm faithful to the artist Semler who released a new EP 12 days ago, no, a week and two days ago. And I have listened to it nonstop for a week and two days um, because I'm really excited about a queer artist being in the Christian charts for Christian music charts. So that's what I've been faithfully listened to, listening to recently. But what is a biblical understanding of faithfulness? How do we see God's faithfulness? How do we see Jesus's faithfulness? What does the Bible tell us about being faithful? And once again, that's a complex answer and we don't have the time today to tackle everything. But what I'm gonna focus on today comes from Deuteronomy 7-9. And we're just gonna be looking at faithfulness in light of the theme of covenant in the Bible. So Deuteronomy 7-9 says, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. They are the faithful God, keeping their covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love them and keep their commandments. Um, yeah, so we are gonna look at one aspect of faithfulness through the theme of covenant as a means of applying faithfulness to our lives. So we will come back to that verse, but just keep that verse in mind. So first off, because I'm a little bit of a Bible nerd and I love when there's big themes in the Bible, I'm just gonna nerd out for five minutes and share some information about covenant with you. Um, so what exactly is a covenant? That's a good question. So a covenant is like a relational agreement between two or more parties. Often today, the remnants of covenant that we see in our society is in marriage. When you make vows, to, to one another and you uphold them. Um, but covenant was even more common and expanded beyond just marriage within the context of the Old Testament in the Bible. So it's a very versatile and common thing in the Old Testament times. And it had political, religious and societal covenants. So politically you see formal alliances, societally you see agreements between people of different class standings. And it was a very common thing in the Old Testament. Um, it's critical to note that often covenant was communal in nature, so it wasn't necessarily between one individual person and another individual person, but actual communities or nations. Um, and covenant was very, very serious, and it was a commitment that was to be kept in the time of the Old Testament. And then when we, when we narrow in and specifically look at Israel as a nation in the Old Testament, we see that God is making a divine human contract. Um, for Israel, covenant is rooted in the understanding that God created people to be in relationship with God. So Israel understood it as how they related to God. Um, and not only is it critical to Israel as a nation, but covenant was critical um, Sorry, I lost my place in my notes here. 
um, covenant is critical in how the story of the Bible unfolds as you continue to read all the way into the New Testament. Um, so when you look at examples of covenant in the Bible, God makes a covenant, covenant with Abraham in Genesis 12, with Moses on the Mount, on Mount Sinai in Exodus 19 to 24, and God also makes a covenant with David um, in 2 Samuel. Um, and there's, there's a lot of different examples of covenant or God keeping promises in the Bible. I won't, those are just a few examples. I encourage you to dig into them on your own time, but we just don't have time to dig, dig into them now. Um, but there's two key themes of covenant of why it's important within the Old Testament that I want you to hold on to. So first is revelation. Simply put, covenant is how God revealed their character to Israel and to the nations. Um, primarily, um, we understand God's character through the law that God gave Israel. And the law reveals God's heart um, and things like that. So covenant, first off, reveals God's character. And then as I've already touched on, second, covenant re reveals uh, a call to relationship. So covenanting is a two-way street. It involves mutual obligations between each party. So between us um, as people, as Israel, and as God. Um, and it's also important to note that in the Old Testament, we see God initiating covenants but we see that both God and Israel have both responsibilities. Um, and Israel isn't just entitled to privilege of blessing, but they have responsibilities as well. Um, and so I've already alluded that the law is how we see God's character in the Old Testament, but there's one really important thing to note when we look specifically at the Exodus story where God leads Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Um, yeah, so first God takes Israel out of Egypt and then, and said, God takes Israel out of Egypt and says that they are God's people and then God gives them the law. So Israel is not dependent on the law to be how they get their identity as God's people because God has already called Israel their people, his, God's people. Um, so the law is not the basis for becoming God's people, but rather it is the basis for living as God's people. So that's just one really important thing to keep in mind as we kind of progress through. Um, and one really important thing to note is that primarily God is concerned with faithfulness to the covenant relationship rather than perfection in obedience to the law. So that is my foundation that I'm kind of approaching faithfulness with. And we can take a look again at Deuteronomy 7, 9, uh, just kind of the passage that ties this all together a little bit. So once again, know therefore that the Lord your God is God. They are the faithful God, keeping their covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love them and keep their commandments. So we're going to take a look at this idea of God being a faithful God actually at the very end. 
So first, we're just going to accept this statement that God is a faithful God, and that is a characteristic that is ascribed to God. And I acknowledge that that can be a hard thing to trust sometimes. Um, so I'm just hoping that you can work with me here that you can agree with that characteristic of God. And we'll touch a little bit on it at the very end. Instead, I want to look at kind of the second part of that verse of saying that as God's people, as people in relationship with God, we are to be following God um, and keeping the covenant. So in this covenant contract, God is faithful. That's kind of the thing we're working with. However, we see in the Bible that Israel is not faithful, um, partic particularly for two reasons. Uh, the heart of the covenant is that Israel worships only God, Yahweh, as God, and does not worship other gods that are also within the religious context of their time and area. And second, God desires that Israel obeys the heart of the law that God has given them. Yet, once again, we see that Israel does not keep the heart of the law. They are not faithful to that part of the covenant. So what exactly is the heart of God's law? Well, that can be really debated. And I'm not going to give like a big, a bunch of different opinions. But what I primarily see as one aspect of God's, of the heart of God's law that sticks out to me is how we are to be in relationship with other people. And particularly that has a heart of justice. But let's look at this idea of the law outlines how we are to be in relationship with other people. Um, so in Isaiah 58, which actually my friend Amy, who's in the, the room with me right now, once had Isaiah 58 written out and posted on her bathroom door. Um, and I go to the bathroom a lot. So I would just <laughs> read Isaiah 58 um, as I was on in the bathroom and just read it. Um, and it's a passage that really sticks out to me. But we see Israel saying, look, we're doing the ideas of the law, that we are fasting and praying and doing these things, these actions. But God says, no, 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 look at the heart of the law. So in Isaiah 58, verses 3, and then verses 6 to 7, it says, why have we fasted, they say, and you... And you have not seen it. Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? So that's Israel to God. And God responds saying, is this not the kind of fasting that I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. So we also see this relational kind of God calling Israel out for not having proper relationship with people who are oppressed. We also see this in Amos 5 verses 21 to 24, Jeremiah 5 verses 26 to 28, and once again, just throughout the Old Testament, um, we see this idea of God asking Israel to take care of the poor and the oppressed as a part of how to be a relational people 
in relation with one another, not just God. And we see Israel going into exile and all these other themes that are throughout the Bible because they do not uphold faithfulness to the covenant in that they do not take care of the poor and the oppressed and the widow and those kinds of people. So when I look at the theme of covenant in light of God being faithful to the covenant and Israel not being faithful, what sticks out to me is that living faithfully means living out the heart of being in covenant relationship with God, which is related through God's law of how we interact with one another. So ultimately, to be faithful to the heart of the law, God is concerned with how we treat other people, and God is concerned with treating other people justly. So that is kind of the foundation of the theme of covenant and how it connects with faithfulness. That is kind of the background that I want you to be thinking about as we look at the next kind of three questions that we've been looking at with every fruit of the spirit. So what if there's one thing that I want you to be taking away, it's that to be faithful to our relationship with God and how God expects us to live, we must take care of those around us who might not be seen or heard all the time. But how do we do that? First, we can look at Jesus as the example, because we do see faithfulness once again on many different layers and levels and aspects within Jesus's life. And as someone a few weeks ago established in theirs, to look at the character of God is to look at the character of Jesus and vice versa. So all these characteristics of God is faithful, that means that Jesus is faithful. And we see that really worked out within Jesus's life. So first, we must note that in Matthew 5, 17, it says that Jesus did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And the law is the heart that is telling us to take care of other people. And God wants us to be faithful to that heart of the law. So Jesus came to fulfill that. Um, not only that, but in Luke 4, verses 18 to 19, Jesus opens up his time of ministry on earth with these words. And they're from Isaiah, but then Jesus is quoting them as he reads them. It says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So we see the poor, the prisoners, the blind, and the oppressed. And Jesus is saying that he has come for those people to bring good news to them. And yeah, that's really big. That's a verse or a few verses that I've been thinking about a lot these past few months and have set intentional time to just sit with and read those verses. So how do we see Jesus being faithful and in this sense, fulfilling the law? Well, we can actually just look back to what Sarah said last week when it came to kindness. So Sarah, Sarah shared three examples in which Jesus healed a crippled man, a deaf man, and a blind man. And if you weren't listening last week or weren't gathered with us, there's a few gaps that I'll try to quickly fill in. But the whole idea of 
Jesus acting kindly there is that Jesus is giving people dignity. Um, and there's a lot more to say about that, but we've kind of already touched on it. So if you missed last week, I encourage you to give it a listen. But that's the heart of that is to be kind to someone is to be giving them dignity. And we see Jesus giving them dignity. Um, and in Jesus being kind to them and giving people dignity, I see Jesus being faithful to the heart of the law or one aspect of the heart of the law that we are focusing on today. So ultimately, Jesus exemplifies faithfulness to God through letting God's word guide how we live our lives. So we can now not just look to the Old Testament laws to be, to say, how are we supposed to live in a way that is faithful to God's heart? But we can actually look at Jesus now and look at how he lived and how he acted and how he interacted and held relationship with people and learn from that and let that speak for how we can live faithfully to God now in light of Jesus's example. And that is no easy task. Once again, widely debated, widely interpreted in different ways. But I do see Jesus being kind to people and giving them dignity. And I think that's really, really important in being faithful to God's heart of how he wants us to live. So that's a little bit of how Jesus was faithful. And once again, many other ways, but we can only look at a little bit. Um, so the next question is, how do we live out faithfulness today? And first, we're going to look at how do we live out faithfulness in community? So we simply put, need to take seriously God's heart for justice for the oppressed. We need to take seriously Jesus's example of taking care of not the upper class people, not the privileged people, not the religious people, but the outcasts, the blind, the poor, the oppressed. We need to take that seriously and not just gloss over it, which is easy because sometimes it makes us uncomfortable. So we prefer to gloss over it. Um, but how do we tangibly do this? And this is where I'm really looking forward to the question response time because I don't want it to just be my voice on this. I wanna hear your voice too. So I just actually wanna give you guys just half a minute here to think, how can we live out faithfulness, this kind of faithfulness today? Before I keep going, before I give you a few suggestions, I want you to think for yourself. And then I look forward to hearing what you thought of during the question and response time. Um, but my first suggestion on how to live faithfully to how God desires us to live is to look at your immediate circle first. That is how we can live it out in community. Um, I really strongly believe that each of us can make a difference in this world. Each of us has a purpose in this world. And the starting point for that is to just start with where we are. So look around yourself. What are your communities? Obviously we have this church community. I have a school community. You might have a work community, a sports community. What are your relationships and connections within the world? And then ask yourself, what are the immediate needs of people in your life? Who, who can you help dignify? 
as a way to be faithful to how God wants you to live. And I won't offer much more suggestions than that because I trust the Holy Spirit to prompt on who there is in your life. Um, and maybe there's not an immediate person in your life who's coming to mind and that's okay. But my next question in looking at the immediate circle is who do you already have access to whose story you can listen to who might not always be heard? So I just want you to think about those two things. And then next, looking at how we can live out faithfulness in community, um, specifically faithfulness to taking care of the oppressed, is educate yourself on some social justice issues. And it's really important that with education, we start with a posture of listening and learning. Not that we know it all, not that we have the answers, but listening to what the suggestions of those who voices might not always be heard, what they have, what they have to say. Um, specifically, of all the different things, we could just look at Indigenous issues for just a couple minutes. And this past Tuesday, as we were advertising, there was a, a reading of the 94 calls to action. And so one suggestion that I have is you could simply take the time <clears throat> to read those 94 calls to action and ask yourself, how can you be faithful in letting their voices be heard? Um, if you wanna go a step further, I have enrolled but have not started any of the classes for a course called um, Indigenous Canada, which is offered through the University of Alberta for free, or you can pay a little bit of money and get some credit for it. Uh, but I believe it's 12 lessons or modules or whatever to it. Um, and it just gives basic Indigenous history. And that's the University of Alberta called Indigenous Canada. So that's just looking at a very specific social justice issue. That's a couple steps you can take to start educating yourself. It's not the end, it's just the beginning, but it's a few steps. Um, are there any other people that are coming to mind who have been pushed to the margins that need to have their voices heard um, that you can think of. And then I encourage you to be thinking about that. Um, the next question I have for how we live this out today is how do we grow this in ourselves? How do we develop an attitude of wanting to be faithful to the, the heart of God's law of how God desires for us to live? Um, how can we foster that kind of faithfulness in our own life? And I'm going to take notes from Karina when she talked about patience. And once again, you might need to examine your understanding of how you perceive God. That actually might be a starting point of how you can develop faithfulness in your own life. So my question is, what biases do you have as you approach the Bible, as you pray, as you discern the Holy Spirit? Um, because for me, it's really, really easy to look at faithfulness as just perfectly obeying God's law, perfectly listening to what Jesus said. But the reality is that it's, it's more about covenant faithfulness than it is law obedience relationship really is important and relationship is the heart of faithfulness 
Um, so yeah, the idea of legalism is very comfortable for us. We really like to be able to read the Bible and say, this is black and white and we do this and we don't do that. But the reality is there's a lot of shade of gray that we need to enter in as community and wrestle with and listen and discern. Um, all of this to say is that faithfulness doesn't really work with the idea of an angry God, with a God who just wants you to do perfect actions and obey perfectly. Um, but rather it's about the idea of relationship. Um, and relationship is messy and sometimes you hurt one another. And I need to remind myself that I'm not a perfect person and I mess up in relationships. Um, but yeah, I just challenge you to think like, how do you perceive God? And how does that fit in with the understanding of how to faithfully live out relationship with God? And then finally, because we focus a lot so far on how do we faithfully live out how God desires us to live in relationship with God. But the reality is, as Deuteronomy says, God is a faithful God. And I've experienced God's faithfulness in my life in many different ways. Um, so I don't want to just end on like, we need to be faithful to God, but I want us to remember that God is faithful to us. For me, that's been in my mental health. I've seen a lot of God's faithfulness there. And lately, I've been in a season of really questioning my faith and really asking a lot of hard questions. And I see God's faithfulness in that too. I trust that God is not turned away, but God is still right beside us as we ask these hard questions. And just one thing to share, um, about a month ago, as I was at actually a worship night at my school, I just had an image of a canoe paddling on the lake at the summer camp that I grew up at. And I looked up and there's just a bunch of stars. And immediately these stars made me think back to when I was actually in Belize about six years ago and looked up at the sky and realized there's stars, but the constellations are different from where I am in Canada. And so that image and then that memory of stars in Belize kind of prompted the voice of God to say to me, the stars might be different, but it's still the same sky. My faith might look different, but it's still the same God. And so I would just like to encourage you that as we ask hard questions, God is faithful. God does not lead, leave us. Um, and God is faithful to their promises. Um, yeah, so that's kind of what I got of faithfulness through the viewing it through the lens of covenant as established in the Old Testament. I would just like to add that there is a lot more to faithfulness than just this. There's a lot that I didn't touch on that I haven't thought of. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your perspectives. Um, but yeah, and I just encourage you in the next few days to think about how faithfulness looks in different relationships and different channels of interaction and directions of interaction. So yeah, that's kind of what I have for today. Thanks for listening.